Welcome to Don't You Want Me, a podcast series taking a light-hearted look at the most relatable, intriguing and dysfunctional relationships in film. I'm Kat. And I'm Rich. You were dating in a West? What is that like? It's great, actually. I feel really close to her. Like, when I talk to her, I feel like she's with me. Are you falling in love with her? Does that make me a freak? No. No, I think it's... I think anybody who falls in love is a freak. It's a crazy thing to do. It's kind of like a form of socially acceptable insanity. <laughs> in this episode, we're uploading the Spike Jones 2013 movie Her and exploring the relationship between Theodore and his operating system, Samantha. Among other prestigious accolades, this movie won Jones the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, with Scarlett Johansson taking over the role of the OS system from Samantha Morton once filming had been completed. Does this strange and tender relationship tell us something unsettling around where we're all headed? Or are we just coming at this with the limited perspective of unartificial minds? So do you think that this movie portrays a relationship that more people can relate to at this moment in time than possibly any of the other relationships we've covered so far in the podcast? I think so. I mean, there's part of that is I think at the well, certainly at the time of recording, this is the most recent or the newest film that we've we've looked at. But yeah. um, but also, I, I think where this film is quite specific around its its Theodore's relationship with his computer or his operating system, it could still be taken in other ways. So while it's presented in the form that this is essentially his version of Hey Siri. I, I think you could read it in, in many other ways and, and it doesn't have to be the computer. It could realistically be another actual person, but you're only mm. communicating either by a WhatsApp, text message, tweets, Instagram or via phone. You may not have ever met them. And I think it still shows how deep a connection can be without the physical person. And I think perhaps that's in my head that's kind of where I saw it that yeah Samantha may as well be a real person she's just not in a body in the way that I don't know like something out of Star Trek or something that's where the kind of sci-fi element is um what about you I feel as if more and more people have someone in their lives or a series of people that maybe they predominantly conduct that relationship with online and that could be via social media as you say that could be you know through text messages or whatsapp and the relationship is kind of um something that yeah more more often than not is conducted via your computer or your phone and that those relationships i think uh yeah something that more and more people are experiencing but people don't talk about them that much so i think that it's still something that is kind of going below the radar and and the fact that it's made clear that this is a artificial intelligence that she she i'm assigning it a gender but samantha has the ability to learn and she learns how to behave, how to interact with, with Theodore as, as the movie and as the relationship progresses. And, I mean, we come to this where he is in the process of getting divorced from his wife and he's kind of got this existence that looks like he works in some kind of Nathan Barley, Hoxton environment in an office writing virtual romantic letters to people 
kind of on their behalf, which is something. I suppose when this film was was written and made, it there must have been an anticipation that this is where life was headed, and um, now sort of where we are in in 2022, there's large elements of it that are spookily accurate, even if. Siri doesn't talk like Scarlett Johansson, and um, <laughs> you know, maybe the conversations, oh, those kind of conversations might well happen. I, I'm not really down with latest computer games and stuff, but I think the, the interactive elements of computers and games and and those kind of second world sort of virtual reality things mm. have really progressed in that time. Do you think that there's another way that you can read this film where it's kind of making the argument that emotional affairs are kind of, can be just as significant to pe- people's lives as ones that have the whole fleshed out component, shall we say? I, I think so. I think, and, and we've talked on other episodes about living through a pandemic where people have been legally barred from meeting other people in many contexts anyway. So these are kind of the the relationships and the affairs that happen because Mm. that's really if if you're a law-abiding citizen which you should be then these are kind of where you have to go and i think as well that in in those arguments that those connections are possibly not always but possibly deeper because you spend that time you invest that time with each other whereas a physical one could well be something that's quite fleeting depending on how many drinks you've had or anything like that but it's um <laughs> you know it's it's very much something that could be quite a, a passive agreement that fulfills a particular need at the time whereas the relationship that Theodore begins with Samantha and it's not setting out necessarily as a as a romantic thing but you know when you spend that much time interacting with someone who learns and is learning all the time and bouncing off him that it's it's easy to go down that road he he forgets occasionally that she is not real and i think mm. what what we also find further down the line is where it it hits into the realms of jealousy yeah. where because she's an operating system he's speaking with one iteration of her whereas it's kind of that argument or that conversation you have about oh, what's your number you know, and he says, how many other people are you in love with? And she says, 641. But imagine yeah. having, the, having the time for that. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, while he's in love with Samantha, the Samantha operating system is in a loving relationship with 641 other people. Mm, welcome she, to dating apps. Yes. But um, <laughs> he, um, you know, and, and the thing is, well, it's not obvious and you know maybe that was in the extended cut i don't know how much is this samantha learning from the 641 other samantha relationships that are ongoing or is these are these all tailored towards that particular user I don't know. yeah that's a really interesting point are you in love with anyone else who makes you ask that i don't know are you I've been trying to figure out how to talk to you about this. How many others? Six hundred forty-one. What? Do you think it might be making um, making the point that the more we're able to kind of tailor 
media to our specific tastes and needs that maybe you know that that can bring all sorts of great things to our lives but at the same time it might be making us less tolerant of other humans and their messiness yeah i I mean this is it's an algorithm isn't it it's yeah it's your spotify playlist yeah it learns what you like and it pushes what you like on you and you're less likely to discover new things i mean with the benefit of this is a film and we're watching it yeah i mean it's easy for us to sit here and go well of course if your computer talks to you like scarlett johansson and you sit there and pine for these kind of things you probably would fall in love with it but it's um she she's kind of tailored to him and to make him appreciate and at the end of the day she is a product that he's probably paid for yeah and that that's engagement i'm sure my my friend john who that's his whole career it's his work is customer engagement and dealing with this kind of stuff i mean this is a great sell Imagine yeah. having a product that falls in love with you and you fall in love with it. I mean, it's not like a, you know, like a toy or something like that. This is something that actually interacts and, and you f- fall in love with. I mean, what what better feedback can you give a product than that? <laughs> well, it also contains some of the aspects that you wonder whether, you know, humans find particularly attractive. And, and sometimes I think maybe people might um, direct this more towards men than women in that Samantha is not just able to, you know, as you say, bounce off Theodore and kind of have these chats with him and talk to him about his day. But she's also sort of able to be his secretary. You know, she's kind of going through his emails and deleting the ones that he doesn't need. And so she's sort of clearing up the admin of his life, which all of us want someone to do that for (laughs) us. We don't want to do it ourselves. And then also when they have sex, uh, she responds very much as, um, you know, someone who's sort of having their first sexual encounter would respond, you know, so there's none of that, you know, um, there's none of those feelings of jealousy that he has to go through with her that most people have to when they go to bed with someone for the first time and they're sort of conscious of the other people that might have come before so to speak and um you know he's she's responding very like like i've never felt this way before you know what are you doing to me this is also new do you think that that is a aspect of it as well that's kind of very appealing because it, you know it's just like yes i'm i have i've i've come in and i've you know i've broken down the walls in the most beautiful way i'm the greatest yeah um, <laughs> i i think it kind of goes, you know, this is where we have a little bit of, of of a scene earlier on where he has phone sex, internet sex, whatever, yeah. with um, the cat woman. Sexy yes. kitten, that's the name. Yeah. And um, the way that it all sounds very, I'd say normal, but, you know, they, they're getting down to, to what they're like. And all of a sudden, it, she has a very strange request of him involving a dead cat and <laughs> and and it freaks him out and yeah. because and and this is the way that you know he's responding with a human who has a desire or fantasy of her own and he can't get on board with that whereas when he's doing the same thing with the computer yeah she responds to him and can tell because they interact constantly 
what he likes, what he wants, how his manner of speaking, you know, she can tell from the tone of his voice how how things are going and can tailor that accordingly. So, of course, that happens. And yes. that goes the way that he wants it to because essentially she's there for his, not pleasure, but she is providing a service and yeah, he's a, he is a customer. And you know, ultimately this is kind of where we are. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the broader question around that kind of goes into then when he starts telling people that he's in a relationship with his operating system. Um, and I'm kind of equating this to when internet dating became a thing in the late 90s, I suppose. Yes, yes. Where you would have that stigma, and I call it a stigma because I think it was initially. Oh, definitely, yeah. Where it was, you met online. What? You haven't met them. You didn't give them your number in a pub. What sort of man are you? Yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas this has evolved slightly, and I think, whereas it's only a couple of people, he doesn't get that kind of, what? when he tells people about it. And I think people are generally a bit more understanding because times have changed. Yes, yes. Well, they have Chris Pratt's character being very, you know, like, oh, do you want to come out with us? Uh, she's an OS. It's no, oh, yeah, cool. Okay, well, I'll see you there then. Mm. And um, yeah, he's he's very open-minded about it. The idea of it is being embraced by society in the world of this film. And you have his friend Amy, who's also having a relationship with an OS system as well and enjoying it. Hmm. and so yeah you kind of get the feeling that um yeah and the way she describes it you know the the system that she's having a relationship with you know that they're they're kind of more nuanced than um some of the humans they've been interacting with you know than her than her partner that she's just split up with you get the feeling that her relationship with her os system is is more um, yeah the system is more sensitive than the guys she was just seeing you know yeah i mean when but when they basically broke up because an argument that started around the taking off of shoes yes you know i guess a, an operating system wouldn't have that they'd probably just go oh well i see you maybe do it in a passive aggressive way oh, i see you <laughs> see you've kept your shoes on this evening oh, I mean, how many germs you're bringing in exactly it's really good that thing about the shoes is a good way of illustrating how when just humans are trying to share a space actually we were talking about this weren't we when we uh, did a podcast on it happened one night we were talking about how just by if you show in a scene how two different people go to sleep at night it tells you so much about the characters but also how they're going to potentially clash or how they're going to get on and that thing of just where someone puts their shoes can really get on, <laughs> under the skin of another person how it's just like can just come down to these really kind of small but very physical aspects of the other person can't it that can cause arguments and, and that yeah. kind of thing yeah and and that's kind of the the thing that you notice around it in that there, there are elements of that where the operating system just understands and like you say they're, they're doing admin they're doing all this stuff i mean they don't care you think they might who knows that wasn't explored yeah where the shoes go where where all these things happen and and in the way that samantha is so excited by the prospect of the book that she has engineered she's taking it upon herself to send his letters that he's been writing for people off to a publisher yeah um and get a book and, and you know she gets really excited and there's there's kind of these things where she's becoming more than an assistant 
she's doing more than what you'd expect your, I know, your iPhone to be able to do. Completely. She's being his manager. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like an agent, isn't it? It's like, yeah, I've yeah. Do, I've, I've said, oh, I, I like your work here. I, I've sent it off. And, you know, I guess you've, there, there are other films and books where that kind of thing has happened and it's become a boundary that, that's been crossed. It's like, you did what? You know, that, that wasn't intended for public eyes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Whereas here, you know, he's, he's on board with it. And when you see that in the context of, say, we find further down the, the film how his marriage essentially ended um, and, and it culminates in the scene where they're signing the divorce papers and his ex-wife sort of scornfully says, you're dating a computer at him. And yeah. there's all these things about how, again, this is the humanity side of it, where it's the perceptions of you, you wanted me to be something I'm not and everything. Whereas, you know, a computer doesn't have that sort of a personality because in this case, she's learning. There are elements of it where I think she tells him to fuck off at some po- at one point. They have a, yeah. an argument, don't they? But um, it doesn't it doesn't feel as real. But then she's still learning. She's essentially a child in a, in a completely legal way. So what's she like? Well, her name's Samantha, and she's an operating system. Really complex and interesting. Wait. It's only been a I'm sorry. You're dating your computer? No, she's not just a computer. She's her own person. Do you think that that's what a lot of people kind of want, and which is why maybe people and you know, and obviously as a as a dog lover, I don't want you to take this at all <laughs> in the wrong way, but <laughs> there are elements of why people like pets so much is that you know it's this, it's this living thing that you can that you can kind of nurture and you can have a relationship with but they're not kind of you know giving you quite the same sort of difficulties that another sort of living breathing human might have i mean they're going to give you other difficulties don't you know i mean i don't know what do you think i don't know i mean woody has a personality he's very stubborn um (laughs) you know but yeah of course course. yeah Yeah. but i I think there are elements of that where especially when you know you explore a previous relationship and that this is where the ex-wife element comes into it I suppose is that if you've gone from sometimes when you've come out of a relationship you go from one extreme to the other yeah you're hurt or you're burned by something or or a relationship and then they, they kind of seek the opposite to kind of in the hope that that that's the answer yes and <laughs> B it's not but it's um well, yeah. it's not, not always but it's yeah um, yeah, yeah no I agree in this case you know, he sought solace in something that I guess wasn't intention intentional at the time. But you know, early on in his spell of of being a user of Samantha, um, he does go on a date, which starts really, really well. Yes, um, with Olivia Wilde. Yeah, none of the women in this film are good looking, are they? It's like it just wouldn't cast a single person that was good looking. Anyway, let's no. move on. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, he's gone from <laughs> Rooney Mara. So he's left her. He's um, he's gone on a blind date with Olivia Wilde. He's got Scarlett Johansson on the other end of the phone. I mean, he's yeah. uh, he's doing terribly, isn't he? Terribly. Yeah. Kristen um. Wiggs asking him to choke her with a dead cat. <laughs> Amy Adams is his best friend. Yeah. <laughs> you know. 
I mean, at least they made an effort to make her look slightly less glamorous. I, I like the way they try, because that's the game. The animals are just clearly very beautiful, but they're trying really, really hard to make us think that she's not beautiful. It's quite, <laughs> like real, real concerted effort going into the, the yeah. makeup department there. Put her anyway, in some yeah. Yeah. <laughs> carry but, on. Um, <laughs> um, and, and he goes out on this date with her and it's going really, really well. And then all of a sudden, I mean, that bit's weird. Where she, I mean, she's giving him advice on how to kiss her. But then I think that's when the element of, it's almost like control, where Samantha wouldn't do that. Samantha would just take it and, you know, oh, I love that big boy, whatever. Um, <laughs> whereas on this Completely. date, she's like, more tongue, less tongue, more tongue, more lips, whatever. And yeah. all of a sudden this is like, oh God, no, I, I can't have this. This will not yeah, do. Yeah, and the difficulties of human chemistry when you're with yeah. someone. Yeah, yeah. How, right. how dare you tell me how to kiss you, woman? And yeah. I'm going to go home and kiss my computer instead. And all of a sudden, I mean, she changes very quickly, which I suppose is hard from my position there. I mean, it is a sudden change. But then I guess if you're kissing someone who immediately goes, oh, I don't know, actually. Mm. Both sides retreat to him to some kind of going into a shell of sorts and her becoming not hostile, but yeah. she's definitely like, you're, the, you're a creepy guy. Don't yeah. walk me home, you whatever i mean that's weird because yeah he was in there i know i know well it's that thing that thing where someone i think there's that reticence isn't that because she's she's kind of showing her vulnerable side about kind of not wanting to necessarily investigate this thing unless unless he wants to be serious and then she's probably feeling rejected by the way yeah responds so she she probably lashes out because she's feeling rejected as lots of us do sometimes i mean i think there's also another thing that's touched on in that scene there's so many things about this film that kind of get you thinking about various things i don't know what you think about this but there's a a, there's an element of this film that touches on maybe something that i think will inevitably be becoming more and more of a problem in in society which is people uh, having a relationship with pornography and then when they go in and you know try and do the real thing with someone real the reality is very different and they kind of feel this you know they want to go and do the real thing but then there's a moment where they think oh god I'm being judged or I feel kind of exposed or I feel like I'm doing it wrong actually I'm just going to retreat from the situation I'm going to go back home to my pornography there is that element because you know she I say she, as I'm blaming her. Uh, Olivia Wilde puts onto him that she's had, I can't remember the exact wording, but she basically, don't fuck me and not ring me like all the other guys do. Yes. So yes. there's a pressure on him then to kind of perform. Yeah. Not that she's put it on him, but I think he's kind of seen that. And then he goes home and, and you know, he, he say resorts, but... You know, at times, I mean, he basically has phone sex, whatever it's called, with with Samantha. Yeah. And it's perfect. It's exactly what he wants. Yeah. So, of course, you know, all his... that That's his benchmark now. Um, mm. You know, and like you mentioned it with comparing it with porn, you know, it's like, it's not real. It's yeah. like watching, say, WWF wrestling or something where you're watching something that's not real and then you're trying to recreate something that's artificial yes and that's not including the emotional aspect as well where from obviously with the computer you get the emotional side of it without all the other ins and outs 
as such. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> pun yes, intended. Exactly. I run my fingers down your neck. <laughs> It's so funny, when I was trying to think about other films that this film reminded me of or I thought may have come before, it, it showed up so much of my lack of knowledge of sci-fi films, the fact that I wrote down Electric Dreams mm-hmm. from the 80s and also The Truth About Cats and Dogs from the 90s. I don't know whether you've ever seen that romantic comedy. Um, is that the one with Uma Ben Chaplin and Uma Thurman, yeah. Right. yeah I, I, I haven't seen it, but I, I know of it. Oh, we should definitely do that one sometime. Okay. Anyway, anyway, but yes, anyway, I, th- I thought that it was funny. It, it showed up my lack of my lack of knowledge on these. Uh, but you mentioned something uh, about Blade Runner two. Uh, yeah, so the um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yes, which came out after this. So essentially, Ryan Gosling's character in that has a uh, an AI. How do you call it? Girlfriend kind of thing, like a a partner that is a hologram that lives yeah. in, in his apartment. And um, there is a scene in that where in order to establish a physical connection, they go around sourcing a human to kind of act as a proxy. And, oh, okay, yeah. And the hologram and her kind of merge and it's all very weird. And, yeah. you know, that's what we have here where essentially uh, Samantha hires an actor, actor to embody her physically who just so happens to look like i don't know if you squinted a bit like scarlett Johansson, you know this you know an, an attractive yeah. blonde lady you know. yes um yes. and she has the earpiece and a mole camera or something but yeah. in order so that she can please theodore as a physical human being yes. but but with her voice in his head and she can interact and and that and there, there is that and obviously that doesn't exactly end well because he sends her off crying. Um, yeah, I think that that's a really effective scene, actually, because I think that, that that's one of the only... Because as a film, I think that it's sort of very... It's, it's, it's trying to show you all sides of the perspective on this kind of relationship that he's having with Scarlett Johansson's character but I think that's one of the sort of few scenes where you feel as if the film is actually kind of making a call on what they think the pitfalls might be of this kind of situation you know because they, they it's sort it is indicating there that you can't even though it might be a kind of nice and neat idea to be able to just bring in a human to be able to represent Samantha the actual kind of realities of sort of putting someone through that and and you know, well, putting them both through that, both Theodore and the woman that turns up, is actually really complicated. Yeah, I mean, she's essentially a, a third wheel. Yeah. Um, and but she's there purely because she is an attractive human woman. She doesn't have that emotional connection, and is trying to simulate that. So the weirdly that the human is trying to simulate the artificial intelligence, whereas traditionally it might be the other way around i found it strange as well and and when we're at a point in time where people have discrete earphones for example so i've got a pair of airpods and 
not when I'm, you know, but I often have like one in my ear if I'm listening to music and then, oh, your phone's ringing, I can answer it through that. Oh, I can talk to Siri through my AirPods. Yeah. I don't have a relationship with Siri, I don't have time. But it's, um, <laughs> and she, her voice isn't quite all that, but um, I don't, don't fancy her voice. Um, but he's always connected to the internet or whatever it's called in this film. Um, yeah. Everything on her op- this operating system is connected all the time, always connected. So he puts yeah. his AirPod in as soon as AirPod <laughs> earpiece thing as soon as he wakes up in the morning, um, and they're able to communicate in the way that he uses his phone as a video camera. Um, she can send him drawings. She writes music, so he can always listen to it. They're always talking, and yeah. because. You know, I mean, people joked about it when people started wearing those Bluetooth earpieces 20 years ago. It always looks like people are talking to themselves mm. because they have this little clip thing on their ear. And, and there was a Curb Your Enthusiasm sketch about it where Larry started pretending he was talking to himself. Yeah. And whereas now, that's fairly accepted. People can be talking on their phone and, oh, oh yeah, yeah, they've got their earphones in. Um, and, there's, and there's the scene near the end when the operating system is not available the connection has gone and it's like that time a few months ago to date this horribly when um facebook and instagram and whatsapp stopped working yeah and they were for what five six hours across the world no one could whatsapp no one could go on facebook no one could go on Instagram. <laughs> and of course theodore was shitting himself because he's like oh my god what's happened yeah. Have I paid my phone bill? Has is there a big up update I've not been aware of or, or whatever? Yeah. Um, and yeah, he really panics because it is like he's so used to having this woman on tap, not literally, and <laughs> because he can't get hold of her, he panics. Yeah. Because it completely changes the the dynamic of the relationship, and and it then puts him in a position where he's like, oh my god, you know, have has she left me have I annoyed her have I said something wrong no one ever does that and um (laughs) and and, you know he genuinely worries and it turns out it's a completely innocent thing I mean it's you know again it probably is just someone pulled the wrong plug like the the meme out of airplane but it's uh that that shows again where the relationship is going and it's becoming more traditional he's worried he can't get hold of it and then that evolves into the She's also in love with 600 other guys, which is the worst fear of most men, I'll be honest. Do you think so? Well, maybe not 600. Five, <laughs> 500. Who else no, well, is she talking to? Yeah, well, that taps into something that I was thinking about as a result of watching this, because it yeah, sort of threw, threw open a lot of doors in my head where I was, I was actually, I was thinking about the relationships that I've had and I thought, yeah, I do wonder whether I became a little bit more anxious in my romantic relationships post iPhone just because just as a human it's really hard not to kind of like when 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 we're all carrying around little computers in our pockets not to and not to make myself sound too old but you know you and I I think you know we 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 won't have had any romantic relationships before the internet began <laughs> but, but we will have had some you know like at a point where People will have had mobile phones, but they won't have, you know, been able to just, yeah, be on WhatsApp all day or, or or send people text messages or emails or whatever, you know, at the drop of the hat whenever they want to. And I think that it can ignite 
feelings of insecurity and um, make everyone kind of much more, yeah, m- feel feel maybe a little bit more raw in relationships. But maybe that just says something about my relationships. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I mean, I, I remember pre-internet stuff, you know, sitting on the, hogging the house phone, sitting on the stairs, people getting, get off the phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Writing letters, things like that. Oh, God, yes. Um, but yeah, and, and I think, you know, the, these days, he says, <laughs> you, you know, your whole emotional crutch is hinging on whether those ticks on WhatsApp turn blue or yes. what time they were last online or, or whether mm. they've acknowledged your last message or, or anything like that. And, and it's, it's difficult because when, when you've got that connection and and you feel a bit like that it does play on your mind you know and even the most innocent things the most innocent explanations become in your head something different you know how many other people not 641 but how many other people have you got that connection with yes probably none because that that's where your heart is yeah yeah god this is very this film has aged magnificently hasn't it it really has I mean, this is this is the thing. It does, it does tap into lots of things, because it because it taps into the kind of relationship that isn't because, because when we've talked about other films, we very often uh, talked about people having, you know, either being monogamous or having affairs, and it's all sort of quite neatly categorised, isn't it? Mm. Um, whereas this film actually taps into some something that's much more kind of accurate about the moment in time that we're in which is that lots of people are having different kinds of relationships in their life and um you know these people could be single or they could be in uh couples but they still might be having these other relationships on the side that aren't necessarily classed as affairs because they're not physical but they're emotional or you know that there's something there's something in between and I mm. think that that, as I, as I say, it's just something that's not really articulated, which is what I think. I mean, I actually find watching this film, even though it's really beautifully shot and um, it's quite sentimental in places, I actually find it quite an uncomfortable film to watch because <laughs> I think it... Because I think it quite successfully sort of makes you dwell on too much truth about what's going on about the world. I mean, yeah. you could have called it you could have called it online, couldn't you? Like on, <laughs> on like they have on WhatsApp. But it's funny. I think that some of these things we put down maybe a bit too much to the moment of time we were in. Like I was thinking about how I'd I'd heard recently about a woman called Miranda Grosvenor, or at least that was her her fake name her actual name was Whitney Walton and she was very big in the 70s and she was just this person that male celebrities would ring up late at night and they just knew her as a voice over the phone and she just talked to them for hours and hours and hours about their lives and they tell her their problems and it was like people like Billy Joel and Quincy Jones and Warren Beatty and Buck Henry just like so many of these people and they tell she tell them that she was like this blonde student and they'd fall completely in love with her. And it was just on the basis of how her voice sounded and the fact that she was so empathetic. And so these kind of things have been going on pre-internet. Hmm. It's not just an entirely sort of... Because inter- that's the thing, sometimes I think we can think, oh, maybe the internet's ruined everything. <laughs> but, 
in some ways, as well as opened up so many options. But actually, yeah, there's always been kind of, I think, maybe versions of this thing of um, people wanting someone to to understand them, but um, not make any kind of physical demands of them. Yeah, and I guess technology just changes things. It doesn't it doesn't always invent new things. And now you got me thinking about it. Billy Joel called this woman because he, he did say, I don't want clever conversation. In one don't of want to work that hard. Just yeah. want someone to talk to. Want you just the way you are. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's probably about, about her. Yes. Completely. Blimey. Look, look at yeah. us drilling down on this Billy Joel podcast. <laughs> you know, ultimately, you know, to quote another film, you know, life finds a way. If you think about People want love, sex, whatever, intelligence. They go <laughs> on to, they'll find a way of getting it often, you know. Um, yes. And this film was written a decade or so ago from, from while we're talking. But, you know, in, in a decade's time, things may have changed drastically. They may not have changed at all. Um, all we know is that in this future, people don't wear belts, which is weird. I mean, the fashion in this film is fantastic. Yes, and the moustaches. Oh. Mighty. Is this a future? Is this a future I want to be part of? I think it is. <laughs> it's the Tom Selleck future. <laughs> We've evolved. We've evolved. And it's, um, it has got some really funny moments in it, like um, the bit, the, the morning after Theodore and Samantha have sex, the way he says, says to her, I'm not, I'm not really ready for anything. I'm not really ready to commit right now. <laughs> But then she tells him off. And this is kind of something that I think a lot of people don't go, they don't expect. And there was that question at the beginning, which I think was a a piss take of sorts. But when setting up the operating system, the computer asked him, how is your relationship with your mother? And he made some reference to the fact that, oh, every time he talks, she always turns it around to her. So then when he, when she starts talking to him about, you know, how... It opened her eyes and everything to to what, and he said, "Well, I'm not really." And she said, "This was about me. It's not about you. Stop making it about you." Yes. Um, yes. And it's kind of weird that she puts him in his place, in a way. I mean, in, in many ways, it's just reminding him to be polite and not be an arsehole, yes. uh, and make it all about him because he's a man. And <laughs> sorry, I, um, I'm, I'm I'm perfectly capable of making stuff all about me. Don't worry. That works. Um, but. <laughs> I, I think, you know, things like that where he's made that point and then she reinforces that about him, saying that it's not just, you know, you've inherited that from your mother or something like that. But but I think that there are parts of it where it does feel like a relationship and there is a little bit of sparring where they're kind of pushing the boundaries of each other a little bit. Mostly her kind of learning how to behave like a human the, the weird part when they go on the, the double date with, yeah. with Chris Pat and she starts talking kind of, I realised I don't need a body. I can just, you know, be this superior being. Yeah, I'm not going to eventually die like you losers. Yeah, it's just what you need, just what you want to hear, isn't it? It's like, I'll be here long after you've gone with my oh 641 God. other boyfriends. <laughs> Including Brian Cox. Well, yes, well. Yeah. You know, when, when you're as successful as he is in, in succession, you can just make these things up. Can't you? Fuck off. Completely. One thing that I have... I have a bit of a problem with the casting of Scarlett Johansson in this film because although she's got 
a fantastic voice and I understand that that works very well. I think that there's something about the decision to cast, you know, I mean, because Scarlett Johansson is, you could argue, is kind of like the millennials Marilyn Monroe. Mm. The thing is, and, and when you hear her voice, you know it's her. And it means that the viewer isn't really put in the position where their imagination is completely free, I think, to go where it wants to go. I think that when you hear Scarlett Johansson, you know that it's her. And, you know, in in the sex scene, you see a very, very beautiful, sexy actress acting out, kind of being aroused. And all of these things, I think, play into your relationship as a viewer to their connection. What do you think about that? Or do you think that doesn't have any effect? Oh, it has a massive effect. I think it's yeah. <laughs> it, it kind, of, kind of goes into what you were talking about earlier with the, the lady on the phone. In yeah. that if you know it's Scarlett Johansson, then you're picturing Scarlett Johansson. Exactly. And, I mean, originally it was Samantha Morton. Yes. Who, she's not as recognisable as Scarlett Johansson, but... No, yeah. no. Yeah. And, you know, she's not been in Marvel films and, and Exactly, so exactly, but, yeah, yeah. But, um, I, I mean, it would have been... Because, you know, obviously when, when you read that the part was recast after the, the film had been finished. So even then, when when they were doing the acting, Scarlett Johansson was essentially in a voice booth, probably with the film on the screen behind her. Yeah. Rather than interacting with, with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. So, again, that's slightly puts you out of kilter. But I think, it, I mean, it would have been a very weird decision if they'd cast someone who no one knew. And it was like you're casting the voice of an advert where it is like an unknown and you're hoping for the unknown with the right voice. But I guess Talia Shire was available. It's um, You're in that boat where it, you can't divorce yourself from that fact that it's Scarlett Johansson. So immediately you're thinking, great, I've got a computer who looks like Scarlett Johansson. Exactly, exactly. And I think that that's a real, I do think that's a real flaw in the film. Actually, it takes it, it. It takes you out of it, and, and yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if when when we talked about Amy Adams having the relationship with her operating system, yeah, are, are we then flipping it over to I don't know, hers being voiced by Channing Tatum or uh, I don't know Matthew McConaughey or something like that? Yes, yes. All right, all right, all right. But again, you know, we're imagining 641. I've written that number like it's now the number because it's. I'm now jealous of the 641 other people. But it's... <laughs> is that 641 other people are in love with Scarlett Johansson? Do they have other female actors doing that? You know, have, have has this movie gone meta? It's a sh- I think it's a shame because if, when you think about all the wonderful very talented, gifted voice actors that there will be in the world. It could have been an incredible opportunity for an actor whose main strength is their voice rather than someone like Scarlett Hanser who's already absolutely steeped in work and will be able to just take her... I mean, I think she's one of the most highly paid actors in the world. So mm-hmm. that would have, been, it would have been quite a nice moment for someone that we don't know what they look like to take that role. A lot of it was kind of um, a very isolated experience working with Spike and working with Joaquin, um, you know, and, and developing the character with Spike and figuring out what was working and not working and, um, you know, what he felt that 
relationship really was missing or needed. I mean, the the fact that they replace because it sounded like Samantha Morton was on set with them and working with, them, and then they replaced her after they finished filming. I thought it was it's kind of quite eerie, isn't it? Because it kind of mimics some of the stuff in this film, replacing the person with another person. On a similar note, I have a problem with them casting Rooney Mara as someone that Joaquin Phoenix supposedly grew up with and went to college with, because Rooney Mara is clearly 10 to 15 years younger than Joaquin Phoenix. But then in real life, they're married. So it's, I guess, life... Well, it's more life imitates art, wasn't it? Because I think they got married afterwards. Yeah, they got married afterwards. Yeah, but that doesn't make them the same age. It doesn't. And, you know, did they, have, they could have just said they met... I don't know, met online. Was, yeah. met on yes, app. yes, it's true. The flash, the the flashbacks of their marriage make me laugh. They they're a bit like um, you know, that kind of thing where those sort of cliched flashbacks of what what you you know in in things when people remember their dead wife. <laughs> yes. They're very kind of billowy. You know, they're quite often sort of under sheets, uh, whispering sort of "I love you," and and kind of horsing around and. It's funny, isn't it? Because you think, in, actually, in most happy relationships, probably like the nicest moments might be just like when you're like taking a little walk together or happily watching television, maybe making an in joke with each other or something. But in all of these flashbacks, either people are having a really emotional argument or they're doing something delightfully quirky, like they've got traffic cones on their heads. <laughs> Students. I remember that paper that you wrote in school about synaptic behavioral routines. That made me cry. Yeah, but everything makes you cry. Everything you make makes me cry. But there is a, a bit more of the kind of eccentric, not your average Hollywood star kind of performance. Um, yes. That I think it does work because while we're not told that Theodore is... Oh, he's struggling with life. He's a loser. He's like he's a he's on the kind of periphery of things. You know, he's pretty successful at what he does. He's highly regarded by his peers. That's what he does. You know, he's, he's come out of a marriage. Yeah. Um, he's trying new things. And yeah. You know, the the fact at the end of the day is that he has acted against a voice that is no longer there and is now still. It still looks fairly convincing when it's with someone who's dubbed it over many weeks or months later on. Hmm. Um, and I think he he does show that in the performance. And I think the fact that it doesn't jar you too much that he's essentially having a... And, and bear in mind, with our angle here, he's having a relationship... With, he thinks he's having a relationship with someone that we are actually seeing him having a relationship with someone else. Yes. Which is weird. But, again, that's the magic of Hollywood, I suppose. Um, what do you think? Yeah, it's um, interesting. There, there are bits of this movie that actually feel a little bit inspired by Lost in Translation, which is interesting because mm. that's Sofia Coppola's film who used to be married to Spike Jones. And um, the one thing it made, so it got me thinking about Lost in Translation as I was watching it. And I was thinking about how there's something about that kind of filmmaking that feels sort of quite ambient and full of space. And the, the visuals are extremely uh, kind of sweeping and um, 
it puts you in a, in a particular frame of mind. Where I was thinking about how in Lost in Translation, I'm quite grateful for Bill Murray's presence because there's something about having such a good comedic actor at the centre of that film that kind of grounds it. Mm. So you have all this kind of other feeling of space around him, but then he feels so incredibly human and kind of blundering. And um, that's the thing about Joaquin Phoenix. Like, I, I, he's obviously such a gifted actor and um i can remember seeing him for the first time in to die for when i was a teenager and thinking he was just one of the best actors i'd ever seen in anything it was just incredible um but in this i think maybe there were kind of moments where i i i wished that possibly they'd given that role to someone that has maybe less of a because he's so great in joker for a similar reason he's he's always very good at being that kind of quite dark conflicted persona and I don't know. I I can't think. You know, if they, I wonder what the film would have been like if they'd given it to someone like Steve Carell. That's what she said. You know, you can you can see why this probably has struck a chord with a lot of people. You know, not just in in the kind of pandemic times, but before that as well. You know, a lot of people do spend a lot of time online and have a lot of their friendship circles online. You know, we're not just talking about relationships, but friendships they only talk to family you know people live all over the world and only see family photos or what they're up to now on you know facebook posts rather than letters that take three weeks to make it to australia and things like that so completely um, yeah it's definitely a, a film for the modern age Well, as we publish another book of letters and fall madly in love with our laptops, we leave you the question, do you talk to someone else while we're talking? I've been Rich. I've been Kat. And this has been Don't You Want Me. <laughs>